to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account for this unrepresentative swell over there. Hey, Matt. How you going, man? Hey, Rob. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. How you going, man? Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm great. Welcome I'm excited for this, mate. Welcome podcast, everyone. What, what's this podcast got? Like, a lot of, lots of swill, not much chill, is it? Yeah, well, that was the, yeah, I didn't get very many compliments on that, so okay. I feel like we're going to go back to the drawing board on that one. All right, I'll, fair enough. I'll test it. Yeah, as Scotty from marketing would do, I'll test it with a few focus groups, and then I'll come back with a, a message that will trick the Australian people better. I like that, Nick. Well done. <laughs> How are you, Rob? You all right? I'm great, mate. I had a great little weekend. Oh, perfect. Had a, had a fun little Sunday with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> no more needs to be said about that. Um, it's a lovely day. The weather's getting hotter, which makes me just instantly happier. Yeah. It also makes you weaker, apparently. You were saying to me before the podcast. Yeah, I'm not feeling too hot today. I don't know what, it, well, I don't know what happened, but I was just driving to Rob's as I do, listening to a podcast. Get out the car. There's like a shallow hill on the way to the entrance to Rob's house. Started climbing up that shallow hill. I was just—it was very difficult. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm—I'm I'm either getting sick or I'm just becoming weaker, a weaker man. Maybe so, you were just that weak all along, and the hot weather's exposed <laughs> you. Because this is the first time there's been hot weather in Perth. So it oh, yeah. exposed- first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think it's so pathetic how heavily my mood is swayed by the weather. You have mentioned this before on the podcast. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> I won't, <laughs> won't look into the tirade again, but you know, it's ha- it's it's sunny, so I'm happier. That's great, Nick. I'm really happy for you. Thanks, man. It, it won't last. Don't worry. But it'll know. it'll last over the summer, though, right? Yeah, you'll yeah. be happy all summer. There won't be one point in the entire summer where you won't be ecstatically happy. Yeah, then the winter will just be. Yeah, depressed. The whole of winter, you're gonna be despondent, <laughs> be suicidal. Yeah, especially when Trump wins. So, oh shit, yeah, um, <laughs> no. that could ruin our summers. To be fair, yeah, that that would do a number on my summer. If the half the country catches on fire again, that would do a number on my summer. Mm. Yeah, those ones are rough. Yeah, um, but you know, I will we'll enjoy it either way. Especially uh, if there's another second wave as well, that might be shit. But yeah, I don't. Mark McGowan is just such a legend. Like, is it, he just he's refuses con- a second wave. He's controversial, mate. Like, I think he can relax some of the restrictions. You see, we got like 20-something cases yesterday. Yeah, 24. They're all from every single person on a ship that yeah. was coming to <laughs> WA test positive. So, uh, this is why you don't want anyone coming in. Just fuck them all. <laughs> Let's just create our own little, you know, colony. Micronation. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, all those really strong WA industries, the diversity in them. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely. They'll hey. do really well for us. We should probably say we're being sarcastic here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, Mark is going to... He can't just lock down until next election. I think he's going to have to... The election's like this year, I'm pretty sure. It's next year. I think It's early next year. Oh, I is think. it every four years in state? I thought it was this year as well, but apparently it's early next year. All right, cool. Yeah. I mean, we should probably fact check that, but probably I think it is early next year. I'm pretty confident with that. Federal election, maybe, maybe next year though as well, or maybe 2022. Who knows? Um, should we go through some headlines, Rob? While you check the date. Yeah, yeah, sure, man. The WA <laughs> election. 
Um, European second wave. This is a pretty big deal. Um, France and Spain have started recording like the highest levels uh, since you know the very start of the pandemic in terms of case, new case numbers. Um, UK is also looking pretty bad. Italy also looking pretty bad. So they're having a new second wave, Rob. Are they? That's very interesting. It, it's actually um, they're not going to do a full lockdown this time around, which is quite interesting and something we'll get into later in the podcast, actually. Mm. Um, but it's it's different because we're approaching this differently now, which I am intrigued by. Yeah, it's just yeah, it kind of sucks for Europe. Yeah, it does suck a lot. Yeah, especially I I'm gonna I wonder as well, Rob. It'll be winter. Um, soon in Europe, I wonder how that'll that'll affect things. People will be indoors more. Um, higher chance for the virus to spread. It can't be good, right? No, yeah, can't be good. Mm. Shame. Lucky we're in Australia. Um, Victoria, though, on the COVID front, looking a lot better. Yeah. I, the, I think they had one case yesterday. They have three today. Day two two week average is like six point something. So on the weekend, I hear they're going to... I think last weekend, they lifted a lot of restrictions. They're going to lift even more this weekend. Yeah, it should be fun. He did say... Dan Andrews said no um, grand final gatherings, though, which is unfortunate. That hurts, yeah. Yeah. Well, looks like Those it'll Victorians. Be, looks like it'll just be the gavel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Yeah, it is pretty funny, that, actually. Yeah. Bad luck. Well, yeah, good... Uh, uh, congratulations to all the Victorians that listen. Good job. Yeah, well done. The, you know, do, doing your part of the lockdown. Really vigilant work there by yeah. you guys, if we have any Victorian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good on to Dan Andrews as well. I mean, the it was a hard lockdown, but you know, I think it worked. And hopefully, as a country, we can be more um, you know, coherent now and consistent. Yeah. And Kim Jong-Dan. We'll be, able to let, <laughs> we'll be able to let the borders uh, open. Yeah, let's hope, hey. Because, <laughs> you know, the WA, I saw a letter that, that Mark McGowan posted from Facebook, which is like the advice from health officials to him about borders. And they said like in two weeks um, that he should reconsider the decision based on the case numbers in Victoria and stuff. So hopefully WA does relax those border restrictions soon. Would be nice to say. Yeah. You know, who knows though, Nick. Um, what else has been happening in, in, in Australia? In Australia? Do we have, do we have any more news about Berejiklian? No. Right. Well, there's just there's further ICAC hearings coming. And despite what the Australian says, the <laughs> the ICAC has not exonerated her. I might um, put that up on our Instagram. The, all the Australian and like Murdoch-owned um, newspaper in Nine Fairfax, for that matter. So all media in Australia <laughs> is just saying like, oh, the embarrassment's enough for her. You know, like yeah. she's clearly learned her lesson. You know, the only, person, the only uh, thing she loves now is the New South Wales people. Like, fuck off, honestly. And they've mastered the transition from talking about Gladys to talking about Dan. Yeah, by the <laughs> way, let's talk about Dan Andrews, dictator Dan over here. Oh, I think what's much worse is what Dan Andrews is doing in Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> what? We're not talking about that. Uh, fucking hell. Uh, um, in the US, uh, debate on Thursday. Yeah. Man, <laughs> are you going to watch the whole thing? Well, the mute, um, the muted mics thing is very interesting yeah, to me. Yeah, so they've muted the mics. They've said that if Trump keeps talking over Biden, they're just going to mute his mic. Which is going to be great. Yeah, I'm so excited to see that. Yeah, I wonder funny. if he'll like, you know, as you were telling me before, like if he's going to storm over to Biden's mic and try and like yell in that. Or if he's just going to yell loud enough that the TV <laughs> mics can hear him. Oh, God, it'll be a shit show. I'm sure it I mean, won't be an... Uh, 
a good informative debate. Um, so. Really? What makes you think that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Trump has just gone ballistic over the past few weeks. He's he's gone crazier and crazier. He's called. He said Fauci is an idiot um, and that no one should trust him. Please, <laughs> please tell me. I'm confident, Nick, last night I told you, he's not winning the popular vote. I can guarantee well, we that. that. <laughs> no Republican yeah. ever wins the popular vote. So he's not going to win the popular vote. Please, for the love of God, don't let him win the Electoral College. I think, oh, I said it. I think it's, and I stand by what I said. I think he's going to lose. I could always be I wrong. I think he's going to lose as well. I'm pretty confident about oh, he's that put, as well. You're now. putting it out there. Uh, yeah. I Ooh. think he, I don't think Donald Trump will win the election in a couple of weeks time you know that in two podcast time when we have the res- oh well oh, yeah this is gonna be egg on my face it's gonna be fucking terrible oh but i was gonna say if, if he does lose i'm gonna call back to march when i i said that he would lose hey you're gonna get the little the little clip where it, you know you yeah. clip what you said i'll just get off my phone i'll just play it directly into the microphone oh yeah no that'll so sound that'll sound so. much better man and actually, yeah, I I did a bad there because I said in two podcasts time we'll have the result. We we might. We, there's oh, yeah, a we high won't. chance we won't have the result. <laughs> it takes a long time to count all those mail ballots, and it could be a very drawn out process for yeah. months. So it'll be in front of the Supreme Court at some point, I imagine. Yeah, Nine that's Trump. why. That's why we don't want Amy Conan Barrett to be. Amy, yes. Yeah, to be rushed in. Speaking of her, she had um some Senate inquiries, mm. Senate hearings um over the week. Yeah, they the, seem pretty civil. The stuff about have you read some of the stuff about her? She's like in this weird religious cult. Yeah. Where they like I have no podcast about her. Yeah, they know. like have a say over who you marry and stuff and you have mm. to donate like ten percent of your salary to them every year or something. You know, just normal stuff. That dude, she's just a fun loving American. Yeah. Jesus loving American. To be fair, um her popular sport has grown a lot recently. I think it like nearly fifty percent of Americans support her. Really? Which is very interesting. Um, and the Senate hearings were quite civil. The Democrats were just like, well, we can't, we know we can't block this, but we just want to, you know, inquire a bit. Yeah. Which is, you know, how politics should be done. <laughs> the it, So her position on the Supreme Court is, is so important. And I think one thing that demonstrated that this week is that Supreme Court ruling um, for Pennsylvania in the US, where uh, they basically decided that votes could be count mail-in ballots could be counted in Pennsylvania um, if they arrive after up to three days after the election date, which is pretty a pretty big deal. In other states in the US, they've said that if it comes before after the election date, it can't be counted, even if it was sent before election day and the post service just messed Fucked up. up. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a there's a lot of questions about that because you know yeah. the Republicans have taken money away from the from the postal service. For this exact reason. It's a good, honest democracy that they have over there. Yeah, well, so that's a good thing. And, yeah, that Supreme Court ruling was 4v4. Four, four four. Um, so it was a it was a deadlock. Um, and that means that it went back down to the lower course decision, which was to allow the mail-in ballot votes. Mm. So, yeah, with her on the Supreme Court, that might have swung in the other, in the other way. Yeah. Look, look at that, Nick. Who'd have thought so of it? So it matters. Yeah. Scary Clearly stuff. We well, should we- probably move into our first topic here, Nick. Let's do, do it. Let's do it. What is one of the big pieces of news we've maybe omitted, but you know, we've done so deliberately because we're going to talk about it now, Rob? The New Zealand election. Yeah. We are very excited because for the first time in what feels like fucking the last like five years, uh, you know, 
Progressive Party has won. Yeah. In New Zealand election. In a in a system that is comparable to ours. Yes, in a system that is comparable to ours, yes. Pretty Good crazy. Point. And won by a very impressive margin. Landslide is the word I saw a lot on Saturday night, was it? Or mm. Sunday? Yeah, I don't remember. Um, oh. But Move on. <laughs> <laughs> by, yeah, everyone kind of knew she was going to win. That's what the polling was saying. But the the margin exceeded people's expectations. Yeah, Jacinda, the margin was really impressive. Jacinda has really done well here. Um, she's got an outright majority in New Zealand Parliament, which is really difficult to get uh, due to their kind of mixed system. Um, so she can just pass whatever legislation she wants, and that's now law. We should probably explain the mixed system that the um, New Zealand um, government uh, has. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I had struggled through that sentence. Do you want to explain it, or should I explain it, Rob? It- Considering that last sentence of mine, I'm going to leave you to this one. <laughs> so, like, New Zealand works how our House of Representatives and Senate works, but they just combine into the same house. So, some of their seats are single-member electorates where you vote for one person, uh, and then some of the other seats are multi-member electorates where basically you're awarded a number of seats as a party that corresponds to your national vote share. So, yeah. it's like a mixed proportional and single-member system. Um, really cool. Explained. So it's like taking our Senate and House and putting them into one voting system. Pretty cool stuff. And, you know, difficult to win an outright majority, but Jacinda's done that. Yeah, it often leads to, you know, coalitions being formed, uh, but not here in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so what, is that? what does that mean, Rob? What does it mean? Well, I don't really know what it means because I don't really know enough about New Zealand politics, unfortunately, Nick. What does it mean for Australia? Yeah. Um... <laughs> I don't know, Nick. <laughs> One thing I was very interested about, though, was um, the fact that we have seen a progressive party win in an Anglo state, and I think there is a common denominator that is missing in this Anglo state. Oh, yes. And it's my favourite topic that we always talk about. Uh, it's the Murdoch media, which was not, it is not based in New Zealand. And unsurprisingly, I think... Uh, a national party could not win in New Zealand this time around. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, you can't underplay that factor. I think, you know, media is very, very important um, and the concentration and whose allegiance they have. Um, so, yeah, I think good on good on New Zealand. Uh, a lot of New, Ze- New Zealand has a lot of elements in their political system that are, like, better than ours. <laughs> New Zealand's a better country than Australia, really, per capita, that is. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, their they're kind of treaty with the Maori people as well and the way they you know, have incorporated Maori culture uh, into their society is, you know, super admirable. That's another part of the uh, electoral system is that a certain number of the seats in the parliament always have to be held by um, people of Maori descent. Yeah. Which is, I think, uh, quotas have, you know, often got a bad name from the South African experience and stuff like that. But I think it, it is important uh, with these people that are disadvantaged. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was their land. So, you know, and then... Yeah, it was. <laughs> in, in, this, in this country, yeah, Indigenous Australians say, like, we want a citizens, um, uh, like an Indigenous council recognised in Parliament as, like, a kind of you know, a decision-making influence body. And the government's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Incorrect, No. Um, you know, not even willing to even you know, give it a, a thought. Um, 
So yeah, a lot of differences. Um, but I think, yeah, is there anything that our Labour Party can take? Because, you know, they're kind of comparable, the New Zealand Labour Party and our Labour Party here. Well, the uh, Ardern campaign was a lot less... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Over the top, I guess, and uh, promising as yeah. the shortened campaign. The shortened campaign, you know, promised wide, sweeping uh, reform... Whereas the Ardern campaign was much more neoliberal in base. Yeah, it, d- it didn't really promise many uh, you know, uh, groundbreaking reforms, did it? Yeah, no, it didn't. And, you know, we as much as me and Nick love to see these ambitious policies being promoted and, you know, anti-neoliberal ideology, you know, neoliberalism being contested in politics is great to see. It wasn't in the New Zealand election. But I'd much rather see a progressive party win yeah. than lose and propose anti-neoliberal ideas. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of these um, uh, Labour parties across the world anyway are slowly moving towards a more kind of redistributive politics and kind of more ori- social welfare orientated uh, economic policy. Um, so I think you might see that naturally happen with New Zealand. They prob- with uh, Jacinda Ardern's Labour, they probably just didn't bring it to an election. Well, I think this is a classic example of, um, you know, a party that is so well-established and so well-liked in a country that you just run a campaign where you don't say a lot and you just mm. say, hey, at least we're not the other guys, you know? The old small target Yeah, the small target. I knew, strategy. knew there was some sort of politics and law uh, way of describing it. <laughs> That's what ScoMo ran in the 2019 election and it worked out pretty well for him. Usually works out the old small target uh Look at Abbott in 2013, Rudd in 07. Yeah. Just works, really. Yeah, and you know, this is something I actually want to talk about as well. Good linking point. Um, I think the small target works well when you have a very good leader who looks good in, in the media and just who's, who's charismatic. Yeah. Which I think Jacinda Ardern embodies all of those things. Yeah. She's she's the classic when you when you speak to your parents about politics. Oh, I just love Jacinda. Yeah, like that's like if you're trying to have a casual chat with anyone ever yeah. about politics, you're just like, oh, who doesn't love that Jacinda? Dern she's just character? amazing, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Her and um, who's another one that always gets uh, held up? Uh, people like Angela Merkel. Yeah, Merkel's one that I was yeah, gonna say. Yeah. What well, talking? Speaking of Angela Merkel, I. I won't talk about this too long because I know that no one wants to hear two white males talk about uh, you know, gender and politics. Oh, yeah. Um, We're definitely the most qualified to talk about this. Yeah, because well, we just sh- shouldn't. But <laughs> bri- briefly, um, Jacinda being a woman um, and winning in a such a successful way that she did, I think is really good for gender representation in politics, especially as the pol- you know, political leaders of countries. Because I think, Rob, she... She didn't fit the archetypes that your people expect of a lot of female leaders. Because mm. if you look across female leaders you know, of countries in the past, the one archetype that really sticks out is like the strong kind of um, takes no bullshit, hardline woman. Thatcher-esque. Thatcher-esque. You could argue Merkel is the same, fits the same archetype. Yeah. And, you know, people that... I think people like Julia Gillard, you know, irrespective of how competent she actually was... I think she didn't. She couldn't find like a, a f- archetype that really fitted her, and yeah. I think the media destroyed her because of that. Yeah, you know, I think unfairly, but 
I think it's very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult to find that archetype when you're constantly getting uh, criticized. But yeah, yeah, no, I think yeah. Unfortunately, that's I think the way it kind of works with you know people still having a lot of prejudices about women in power. If they don't fit one of those archetypes, it they, I think they shut them down. But I think Jacinda broke through that to a certain extent. She just comes across as a very strong, competent leader. Yeah, um, she's smart. She had a kid as well while in, while in office, which is just. I can't believe that. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's almost like the fact that she is a, w- a woman kind of is sidelined and she just... Yeah, she's just a good leader. She be- yeah, becomes recognizable for being a good leader and you know, the fact that she's a woman just it, it do- doesn't really mean... doesn't really have a relation to any of those other qualities. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I think a really good uh, outcome for, you know, for women in politics in general. Yeah, I agree, Nick. Wholeheartedly agree, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really good. Hopefully, uh, we can. They'll have a president for maybe the Australian Labor Party. Um, Hopefully, Tanya, please. Yeah, Tanya, <laughs> Tanya or even Chris, uh, Christina Keneally as well. Yep. Penny Wong, even though she's never going to come from the Senate to the House, no. but <laughs> she would have been great. Yeah, after oh. Albo goes, <laughs> you're just already rotten Albo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Albo can't cut through. This is the thing, Rob. And if we're gonna have an election next year. Please, no. Yeah. Or actually, maybe yes. I don't know. <laughs> well, things have to change so quickly. Things do change, right? Yeah. L- look at Australia for the last 10 years. Have we had a prime minister for longer than five? Yeah. Well, Scott, maybe Scott will make it. Who maybe. Knows? I think he will, to be honest. Well, he's 2018. He yeah. has to make it to 2023. He has to win the next election. Okay. Maybe he won't make it then. <laughs> Fingers crossed he won anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um. Speaking of right-wing people like ScoMo, Rob. Yes, Nick. Um, something that right-wing commentators across the entire world have been referencing constantly during this COVID thing um, to support their anti-lockdown positions has been, oh, but look at Sweden. <laughs> yeah, that well-known libertarian uh, right-wing country of Sweden. Yeah, you know, the super... It's almost like exactly like America. Yeah, um, Sweden. Sweden country. No, known for its... Uh... It's small Super government, right wing, small government, <laughs> fuck yeah, country, you know. Yeah, obviously we're joking there, but a little little jab at this <laughs> this hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, in so in the UK a lot, and even in Australia as well, people who are and you're in Victoria, yeah, great, great example. People who are against lockdown measures um, often cite Sweden as the case because I think people will know Sweden was like literally the only country in the world back in March that didn't opt for a full lockdown. Yeah. Um, what did they do instead, Rob? They didn't have a lock. They locked down a few things, like you couldn't, you know, get coffee and, you know, seating in coffee and stuff like that and restaurants. But for the most part, they didn't close gyms. They didn't close, you know, pubs and stuff. They just asked the people to just practice social distancing and, you know, be smart. Yeah. And what happened in those countries is people 20% I think is the figure I heard 20% of people um, remained out and about whilst the vast majority followed the asks. Yeah. Yeah. There was strong government advice to stay indoors, um, especially if you're in an at risk category, but like schools remained open as schools well. Schools remained open. Yeah. That's um, so it was like, it was very much a kind of trust in government um, or, and you know, take responsibility for your country, uh, country's yeah. health kind of approach. It was a very um, individualistic approach where they just said, 
you you we trust you people to do what you want. Yeah. And you know, they they went uh f- fairly well initially. The idea was to just uh you know, have the virus spread throughout the community but at a kind of controlled pace so yep. that the healthcare system could cope with that. Yep. But they had big problems in aged care. They had massive problems in aged care. Um and the theory is looking back at it now, but we don't have all the conclusions on it because the Swedish government is still conducting an investigation on it. However, the theory is that uh, a lot of aged care workers would just work at a, multiple aged care centres and were spreading the virus, you know, right across the country. Oh, yeah, right. So I think they had 5,000 and something deaths in aged care. Yep, and a lot, a lot of those that got the virus in aged care were, you know, refused to go to hospital. Mm, yeah. They would just remained in aged care and died there, yeah. which is pretty horrible, really. Yeah. I mean, a lot of comparisons to our aged care problems here in Australia. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and But since then, Nick, they've been very, very good. They have had one of the lowest infection rates around the world. Especially during the second wave. The, the second initial wave kind of evidence is showing that neighboring countries that opted for full lockdown back in march like denmark are having a a higher uptick in cases in this second wave than sweden is Mm. so maybe you know sweden the the kind of you can say that they went for a semi-herd immunity approach that's not really what they advocated that the policy was for but that's kind of it's taking inspiration from the herd immunity idea yeah um and maybe now that's paying, you know, the aged care stuff aside, because that makes their death numbers look a lot worse than, say, Denmark. Yeah. Um, the dividends may be coming into fruition now in Sweden. Yeah. So this policy was not run by any political party. It was actually run by a bureaucrat from Sweden. I can't remember his name now, unfortunately. Yeah, he's, he's quite famous in he's Sweden. He's very famous in Sweden now. Um, and it was basically... It was a uniquely, very unique policy at the time, considering no other country adopted it. Pretty much every other country went into a full lockdown at this point. And his approach, he said it was, well, not, but basically the idea is that this is going to be a long virus. So we need to, you know, allow people to have individual freedoms above all else and just control the virus for a long time rather than try and stop the virus. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, it was kind of supported by most of the Swedish people at the time. Um, and it's a bit, the jury's still kind of in and out on, on that, especially for the Sweden people, but it it may be, uh, doing really well for Sweden for the, over the next few months in the middle of this second wave. But I mean, it remains to be seen. It does remain to be seen. We must be said, must be said that. And we, we also have to look at, you know, fellow Scandinavian countries have had lower death rates than, Sweden, mm, yeah, uh, like Norway and uh, Denmark. Fin- Finland and Denmark. And they all did full lockdowns. And they all did full lockdown. But I think the reason why Sweden has worked despite having lockdowns is not because of the policy, but because of the people and the culture and the trust in government overall else. Mm. They're and not flag-waving, gun-toting Americans, are they, Rob? And I think that's a key point here when we hear these uh, right-wing commentators claim that, you know, Sweden's done it, why can't we? The cultural differences, if we had those same policies, we wouldn't see the the 80% decrease in city activity that was seen in Sweden. Yeah. It'd, all, it'd probably be like a 10% decrease. 
And yeah, that's something that you can't really control as a government is even if you have no lockdown measures, people will, uh, whether they're following government advice or they're just doing, I think, what they think is best for their own health and their family's health, they will just stay indoors anyway and probably not go out to eat as much and not go out as much anyway. Um, so that that's going to happen regardless, I, mean, I think, no matter what country. But Sweden, you have that thing where there's a culture of trust in government and they have a big history of of big government um, and like a social responsibility between the state and citizens and also the citizens to the state as well. So that whole Northern socialist democracy thing. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you can't, it's not comparable is what we're saying to say the US. It's very dangerous to compare countries and we've done it. We've done it before here on the podcast. So, you know, we're not saints in doing this, but the reason why countries exist is because there is difference in culture and there's difference in the way people do things across the world. And thus, it is very difficult to say that, you know, oh, in Sweden it's work, so why wouldn't it work in America? Because the cultures are so different in those two countries that it's really dangerous to say that it would. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think, something that we've we've kind of mentioned a little bit, but there's so much... um, uh, heterogeneity difference I have no idea <laughs> there's, there's so much difference in all the different factors across the world like for instance in Sweden the um, density uh, the so, the uh, population density is so much lower than a lot yeah. of other countries this is true um, and that's kind of the thing I was saying about WA way early on in the outbreak is that the population density in WA probably very low compared to the rest of the world and maybe even some other Australian states so yeah. you can say good on Mark McGowan and you know good on for good, good policy making. I encourage but, our listeners in WA to look outside right now and if you can see another, you know, a house above you or b- directly beside you, then, you know, it just shows the uh, density that we have here, you know. Yeah. You have a backyard here. You Com- don't have that in Rome. Compared, yeah, Lo- Rome, London, uh, New York, so dense. And, you know, people, the temperatures as well. People stay indoors for other, like, for when it's colder or just have cultures of staying indoors anyway. Yeah. All all relevant factors, right? So like a lot of it you could say is probably down to the policy. The policy is influential. But you can't say this policy is great for this country, therefore it might be great for all other countries based on their results. We can't also say that it doesn't work. It, it, I think they are lessons to be learnt from the Swedish experience. Yeah. As has been seen in the second wave, uh, by the way, that the Spanish government has been handling it. And the British government, they've been, you know, much more locally targeted and lockdowns. The French, yeah. And the French, that's it, sorry. Much more locally targeted lockdowns rather than these nationwide ones that we saw in April and March. May? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this year's this year's been a disaster, hasn't I it? I know, yeah. Um but yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh it, it it's kind of even following uh the approach that we were able to take here in Australia because of our different state governments. Yeah. Um, like France is shutting, just uh, lockdowing certain areas, regions of France. So is the UK. Like I think Manchester the other day got put on like the highest level of lockdown, but other parts of the country aren't. Mm. So there you go. I think, you know, it's at the end of the day, it comes down to the policymakers in that country and they have all the relevant data and information and they're just trying to make the best informed choice. But that doesn't mean you can just slap on the policy from Sweden on, onto your country. No. So many other factors. It, I would love to run an experiment in an alternative universe where we use the Swedish policy in America. 
I think yeah. it'd be much, much worse. Oh my god! Than like, what has already happened in America? Because <laughs> people in America just wouldn't wouldn't follow, wouldn't follow advice F- at fuck all. Fuck the government. Get fucked. And they also have their own state governments as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> which yeah complicate the, the system. It'd be ridiculous. Anyways, yeah. we should probably wrap it up. That was a very interesting conversation, Nick. Though, yeah, I must say. Well, yeah. Well, the jury remains out on how Sweden goes in the second wave. The Hopefully jury ra- well. remains out on how to control this virus. Still, I think. Yeah, it'll. We'll have to wait until we go back to a real normal, not even the COVID normal, to be able to understand who yeah. who played it best. True. I mean, you know, history. The history will remember this. I think there will be textbooks written about it. So. You'd hope so, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. This is where the things our kids are learning. Crazy, right? crazy that's the time we live in though that is the time we live in um so we'll see you next week everyone we will in the lead up to the u.s election oh election special oh. maybe oh who, exciting who um don't forget to follow us on uh our socials to keep up to date with all that stuff guys uh at unrepresented swill on instagram the unrepresented swill podcast on facebook and at swill podcast on twitter lovely thank Nailed you to our up. one twi- twitter follower other than you nick thank you that's bailey very britain much. by the way Oh, shout out Thanks, to Bob. Britain. Thank you very much. Um, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> see you later. See you then.